stargazers, and welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take anything related to astrology or anything related to romance, and I investigate it under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Relationship or Love Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I'm so glad that you guys have joined me today. So for our topic this week, Stargazers, um, I can't really tell you which episode where I came up with this idea. What I do remember was that I was doing research and there was a an article that said, oh yeah, this really works except when you when you consider twin flames. And I just remembered the the term twin flame stuck out in my mind and I just thought, ooh, that's a great idea for an episode and Again, it just, it eludes me as to which episode that was and, and how, how this topic kind of stood out in my mind. But nonetheless, I did want, um, explore this topic this week. So this week it is of twin flames, what they are, um, how they differ from that of soulmates. Um, it is a recent theory. It is a recent phenomenon, I feel, that has occurred within relationships. So we'll be diving into how I came about that exactly or how I came about the topic as well. Um, later on, I want to just, because um, I'm not going to lie to you, Stargazers, I do agree with Jewel from Truth and Aspect Astrology. There's a lot that is theoretical or surmised. Because with twin flame relationships, it's usually covered by a lot of people who are psychics and who make it their mission and their goal in life to kind of help people to find their twin flame, or they encourage people to use their psychic ability to find their twin flame in their life. Um, but because it's like heavily surmising, um, I'm just going to work a couple, like I said, kind of mention the theories. What is it? Um, mentioned like some of the astrological theories that I think are like are the are the underpinnings due to the the theories that are out there, and then um, when it comes to the sample charts that I have for today, um, I just want to see if there are um, some underpinnings of a twin flame relationship between those two charts, and then also go into maybe this might be a different relationship. You know, if this might be a different relationship that's being disguised. And if so, how can we uncover that so that we can have a full potential relationship or a whole full living relationship as opposed to something that's very idealized or something that's very, you know, very heavily theorized. But to dive right into it. So when it came to the concept of twin flames and when it has come to the concept of twin flames as well, I personally have first heard of it like about two years ago was when I first heard of the concept. And I remembered um, it was via Quora Digest and there were a lot of questions. And I mean, it just, it sounded like a lot of heartbroken young ladies we're asking these questions, um, but it was usually like, I've met my twin flame. Why is he ignoring me? I've met my twin flame. Why isn't he willing to commit? I've met my twin flame. What do I do? And I, I kind of wondered, okay, so what, what, what are, what's, what's the twin flame? What, what's this phenomenon that's going on? 
it also wasn't until last year that I actually had read a book on the subject and it's actually called, and I'm going to be uh, uh, quoting and citing from this book, but if you guys do want to take a look a little bit further on Twin Flames, a little more in detail, I highly recommend this book. So it is called Find Your Twin Flame, Understand and Connect to Your Soul's Other Half, and the author is Leslie Simpson. And she gives a lot of great information. She is also a psychic. Now, I know that she gets into using boards and pendulums and stuff to kind of connect with your other half. Personally, I don't advocate for that. I would just say just maybe be open to the concept. You know, however far you want to go with Leslie Simpson is up to you. But she does give a lot of great information about Twin Flames, what they are. Um, as opposed to what they're not, and then also um, how to potentially meet your twin flame as well, too. So that's that's definitely a, a good book to check out. But um, what I'm seeing a lot of mistakes on is there are a lot of people on these DMs that seem to mistake the whole concept of twin flames with that of soulmates. Now soulmates is what is a, also another very highly surmi surmised phenomenon and a highly surmised theorized sort of relationship that I grew up with um, back in my day. So um, to kind of just differentiate between the, I just like to take a moment just to differentiate between the two. So so this, when it comes to soulmates, soulmates, basically, you're cut from the same cloth. You guys are, you feel karmically drawn to each other. And you kind of feel like it's meant to be. The, the two of you feel like it's meant to be. And usually what happens as within every fairy tale scenario, you guys get married, you ride off into the sunset, and you live happily ever after together forever is really the whole concept of, of soulmates. Um, in astrological sense with soulmates, definitely um, when we're looking at the composite chart, there's a definite heavy emphasis on the North Node. Um, you know, that definite, it's meant to be, karmically, it's meant to be. So I would say definitely both partners would have either North Node conjunct North Node with each other. Or they'd have a personal planet on top of someone else's north node. Or each each partner, I think, would actually have a personal planet on top of the other person's north node. The other thing about soulmates is that when it comes down to your personal planets or when it comes down to your planetary arrangements, you guys get along or you're compatible for the most part. You know, like your, your sun may be conjunct your moon or maybe trined the other person's moon. Um, same thing with maybe the Sun and Venus, they're, they're conjunct or they're trined or, or sextiled each other. They're in good, easy, harmonious relationships. Um, I would even say um, Mars and Venus are in good, easy, harm, harmonious relationships in the composite chart. And really the whole emphasis is on that, that North Node uh, placement, you know, that it's meant to be. You know, it's, it's, it's karmic, it's meant to be. Uh, your twin flame relationship, however, is extremely different in the regard that you guys aren't meant to be with each other at the end of the, of the relationship. What happens is very much like I can see where people get a little confused or where they can mix up the two terms. 
just solely in the regard that Twin Flame is also heavily reliant on the North Node as well, too. There's just that karmic faded sense that you guys are meant to be together. Um, but the notion is with Twin Flames that instead of being made of the same soul cloth, soul-wise, you're actually two halves of the same soul. Which again, interesting theory, like interesting how this is, this, how this, um, comes about. But basically your twin flame is a duplicate of you in soul form. You guys are meant to come together, but instead of, whereas with the soulmates, you're meant to be together. You're meant to get married and have loads of rainbows and happy, harmonious relationships. With twin flames, that's not the case. Actually with twin flames, um, you're meant to, actually dive into each other's vices and you're meant to dive into what is actually holding the two of you back from your true purpose in this life. And as Leslie, I think Leslie Simpson gets into this, or maybe this is one of my conclusions that I've drawn from Leslie Simpson and also all the other theories on twin flames. But, um, Really, you guys dive into each, each other's vices because if you kind of think about it, if you're two halves of the same soul, whatever your twin flame does impacts you and whatever you do imp impacts your, your, uh, sorry, impacts your twin flame. Try saying those things 10 times fast. Woo. So whatever you do impacts your twin flame. And so your goal is to make sure that your vices and that things that are holding you back from your destiny, things that are holding you back from your life's purpose are actually ironed out and that they're, you know, kind of smoothed out um, in this lifetime. Now, unlike soulmates, and when I meant, when I said you guys aren't meant to be together, um, one of the biggest things is, well... One of the biggest things that I have seen both by Leslie Simpson's book and also just by the research when I was doing, when I was doing the research for this week with Twin Flames is that the relationship actually seems rather internally violent, if you ask me. Basically, the relationship, it's kind of like um, a utility drawer or a junk drawer that gets overstuffed and overflowed. Um, for me, the whole idea of the twin flame relationship is that you eventually take the utility drawer. It's basically when you take the utility drawer out and then you dump it all out, on, you know, dump all the contents out on the counter or on the table. And then you sort out what you don't need as opposed to what you do. The things that you need, you dump back into the drawer. The things that you don't need, you throw out. With a twin flame relationship, it's like you're the junk drawer the, the two of you are like the junk drawers in the relationship, except you're kind of sorting each other's vices and what is holding you back out. And in that regard, you're basically like pulling each other inside out in this relationship. Um, Leslie Simpson mentions that actually it's a very chaotic relationship. It's meant to bring chaos. It's meant to bring turmoil into your life at that time because its critical function is to help you rethink towards your life purpose or reorient. Kind of like with lunar eclipses, kind of uh, uproot yourself in this present moment and replant yourself where you're needed uh, when it comes to achieving your life's purpose. 
Um, except it's your, your, your twin flame is encouraging you to do this, encouraging you to do better as well as you're doing the same thing with the twin flame, you know, because of this vi internally violent nature, um, usually one of you parts or both of you part the relationship, uh, is really how the theory goes. It's like, you guys have a really great attractive relationship. It's magnetic. You can't, you guys cannot resist each other. You, it's just, it's working out. It's really blending in harmoniously, but then somewhere along the line, um, when working out these karmic issues, you guys just find it's way too heavy and you part. However, you stay in, you stay in touch. You always like stay in touch. You're always with each other because again, that soul duplication, if you may, still remains intact. The fact that you guys are still two halves of the same soul still brings you back together and still reunites you back together. But in assessing twin flames astrologically, I have to say that when it comes down to the fact that, you know, your twin flame mirrors your deepest insecurities, fears, and shadows by helping you because they're helping you to overcome that. When both persons are still whole on their own, uh, when they're feeling a yin-yang connection with each other, they feel familiar. It's a magnetic relationship and it's also intense. My theory, my first theory is that that whole intense, the whole magnetic, the whole pulling yourself inside out. I feel like it's a heavy, there's a heavy Pluto connection in the relationship. Um, now, Jewel from Truth and Aspect Astrology, again, if you have not checked out her channel on YouTube, definitely do so. Um, she's really helped me to understand a number of concepts. She also kind of helps me to kind of dive a little deeper as well too. But I just feel like she has an excellent channel when it comes to sinistry astrology all the way around. And really, again, kind of like Pam Gregory, definitely, definitely check her out. Um, but with Jewel and Truth and Aspect Astrology, I mean, she had theorized maybe that Pluto would be on the North Node. Um, definitely, there's a North Node connection in the relationship, just like with soulmates. But I think with Pluto, um, I kind of agree with Jewel. It's either on the ascendant with each other. I would even argue, even in the first house, it's in a prominent place in the relationship. Or, yeah, on the North Node. I even think going into even being outside a Chiron, perhaps, you know, to each other's Chiron's positions. Um, but either way, very prominent place. Um, with the fact that, you know, just like I said, again, this, this whole, you're magnetized to each other. You can't, you're, you can't resist each other. You always come back and return, you know, and also the fact that you guys are trying to transmorph yourselves and try to transform yourselves by confronting your vices. These are all very heavy Pluto type of themes in the relationship. Um, the only thing that I would really advise with a twin flame relationship is just make sure that there's not a hidden agenda because again, Pluto is that planet of power and power mongering. And anytime that I see a Pluto relationship arise, sometimes my big, my biggest skeptical, you know, buzzing alarm that goes off in my mind is, 
possible manipulation. There could be somebody who could be using the theory of twin flames to possibly manipulate somebody into a non-committal relationship, which is what this kind of sounds like, what the theories of twin flames can kind of sound like. But yeah, definitely Pluto influence, um, you know, turn yourselves inside out in order to transform in the end. The yin-yang connection, you know, so basically with a twin flame, when you meet them, you know, you guys may, while you guys can resemble each other, you guys may also have a situation where, you know, one person is patient, one person is impatient, the patient person causes the impatient person, kind of grounds the impatient person, the impatient person causes the patient person to find their voice. So you guys would have like a compliment to each other. And, you know, I'm thinking that when you guys compliment each other in this way, astrologically for me, that just screams oppositional relationships. Um, in my view, with an oppositional relationship. So oppositional relationships are basically where planets are. So like, say your son is in Leo, the other person's son would be in Aquarius. Or if your son is in Leo, the other person's moon would be in Aquarius. Or if your personal planets are in Libra, the other person's personal planets are also in Aries. Um, basically, it's it's as the... Um, term kind of identifies it. The planets are opposite the astrological or zodiacal wheel. Um, what ends up happening in a lot of oppositional relationships is that while you guys may have a lot of things in common, you are diametrically opposite each other. You're basically two opposites that attract in the relationship. Now, while this can be really great in, in you know, when I've had oppositional relationships myself, especially with Aquarians, I end up learning a lot at the end of the relationship. And while you end up learning a lot from that person, um, the biggest thing about oppositions is that instant attraction, instant repulsion. And I think the, um, I think this kind of serves the opposition theory kind of serves in both regards with the twin flame relationships in the regard that you guys are attracted to each other, you complement each other, but you know, you're still too opposite each other that at some point you kind of repulse each other and therefore you part. However, when you do part, you end up, you have a lot of profound lessons from the other sign. You know, even though you may or may not get along with the, the opposite, the opposite sign, um, you always end up with a, a like a really great lesson. For me, when I've had a relationship with Aquarians, I've always come out with logical ways to handle people. Um, you know, like really just sound logical ways that just really fit in that really just make sense. Uh, and it's like, wow, I can't believe I've, I've missed this concept. And this is very revolutionary. It's very novel. The other thing that I also see, um, in my relationships with Aries individuals is how to stand up for myself because I, quite frankly, I sit out on the sidelines with my moon being in Libra. I sit out on the sidelines often and also, along with sitting on the sidelines, I'm really kind of indecisive a lot, you know, whereas a lot of Aries, they're very decisive, they know where they're going with their life, they know what to do, um, they charge forward. For me, not always the case. So I, I kind of learn how to charge forward 
move forward in life. And I, I end up parting that relationship with that lesson also handy as well. Now with uh, Twin Flames, I feel like um, along with the North Node relationship and the Pluto relationship, I feel like it's not just one opposition that plays in the composite chart. I kind of feel like it's similar to my uh, chart compared to Tom Hiddleston's chart. Now, I'm going to reiterate this. I'm not, Tom Hiddleston's not my twin flame. I know that for sure. But um, Tom Hiddleston's chart compared to mine, we actually ended up having three different oppositions in the chart. And I wouldn't be surprised if a twin flame relationship has that as well, too. Hence this whole yin yang sort of relationship. Um, like with Tom Hiddleston's chart compared to mine, my son's in Leo and my ascendant's in Leo. That is completely opposite his son in Aquarius. His moon is actually in Aries. That's completely opposite my lunar stellium in, uh, in Libra. And I think he also had a couple of um, transits and a couple of different planets in Gemini, which is actually opposite my generational planets in Sagittarius. So I wouldn't be surprised within twin flame relationships if the oppositions are similar to the chart with Tom Hiddleston that I just mentioned as an example, where there might be like two or three different oppositions going on in the chart and where that's where this instant attraction is coming from. And also, like I said, the instant repulsion is coming from. And this yin-yang relationship is also coming from in the, um, in the relationship. I feel like um, in twin flame relationships, the houses that are very dominant are obviously the eighth house because of transformation. Eighth house is all about taking all your inner inner stuff, all your deepest soul stuff, um, very much like Pluto, and just bearing it all to the world, bearing it all in this relationship and transforming within, therefore from without. So I feel like a lot of personal planets are shoved into this eighth house. I also feel like a lot of the personal planets including Pluto, are also shoved into the first house. The reason why I'm coming to the first house conclusion is that apparently when you guys part in the twin flame relationship, supposedly you still feel whole with your own self as much as you felt whole in the relationship. While this is a very idealized concept, don't, don't get me wrong, I do feel that that's really the stuff of the first house. You know, in the first house, um, first house relationships, not only are they very prominent and high important relationships and very much um, very high profile in the regard that it's in the public eye, but also, again, you know, you guys learn how to not only be with, not only to be together, but also how to be your own individuals, how to be a part as well, too. Um, same themes that we're seeing here with the twin flame relationships. I also find that um, when it comes down to soul relationships of any kind, if you're going to get nitty gritty and you're going to get really deep 
and expose all your vices and all your virtues and what's what's holding you back from your north node's purpose and what's holding you back from your destiny and what's holding you back from your your life's purpose i kind of feel like this would be a relationship that would also unearth a lot of inner wounds so dun, 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 i feel like chiron is actually involved in this relationship as well um, I, you know, I've just remembered when I was like first, um, surmising on this, it was like, yeah, what you, are there other planets? Are there other asteroids that could, you know, describe this twin flame relationship? And Chiron really stood out the test of time because you're definitely dealing with, you know, wounds that you've been holding on from childhood, wound, you know, like kind of your lifelong wounds that you've been holding on to all this time. Um, and these are very, you know, Chiron wounds are very deep, deep seated wounds that you don't, you know, you have trouble fixing for yourself, let alone having someone help you to fix them as well. I wouldn't be surprised that when it comes down to Chiron, if uh, that would be the cause of the twin flame relationship along with the opposition to cause the relationship to part. Because especially with Chiron issues, when you're getting into that territory, I mean, again, you're getting into really deep-seated issues that you don't really feel like exposing to yourself, let alone someone else. And so the relationship may feel a little too intimate and a little, therefore, too inwardly awkward. And so that would also cause you guys to part both ways. Now, a Chiron relationship would look like, you know, in the in the composite chart, it would either be both persons' Chiron placements are conjunct each other. I wouldn't even be surprised if they're even somewhat semi-sextile each other, meaning like if someone has Chiron in Capricorn, then the other person might have Chiron either Aquarius or they might have Chiron in Sagittarius. So they're kind of in the sign that's neighboring the other person's Chiron's sign, um, but really they're not getting along too well. But, you know, again, they're kind of close to each other, um, still close enough to have that deep wound relationship be prominent. The other thing that I would also see in a Chiron relationship is that either um, someone's personal planets would also be outside someone else's Chiron's placement in the composite chart as well. Um, primarily, someone's son could be outside of someone's Chiron placement in a twin flame relationship. I wouldn't be surprised if someone's moon is also outside of someone's Chiron relationship. The moon obviously bringing out our innermost true selves anyway. Um, so I could see where um, this person would bring, not only are they deep and heavy in their own emotional selves, but they're really encouraging the other flame to really get, like they're almost like highlighting the the wounds in getting into this emotional realm within themselves as well too. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if like say Venus outside of Chiron also instigates this twin flame sort of relationship. Again, like I said, Stargazers, this is a relationship that kind of hurts. It's painful. I mean, between Pluto, Chiron, the oppositional factors in the chart, ooh, it's, it's, it's kind of painful right there. 
the last concept, and for those of you who've actually listened to my episode last week, will probably know why I'm coming up to this one. So, stargazers, I do have to say, um, due to my own, I'm going to get a little soulful myself here um, in this before I introduce this next planet. Because I have had abusive relationships and I had a really bad abusive relationship when I was 29, I get a little cynical when things sound, you know, especially when I come up to a relationship that sounds a little too idealistic. Um, I, I really get a little cynical because, you know, how many times did I follow the soulmate theory when I was in my teens, my tweens, my teens into my twenties, and this actually blinded me and led me into these really badly placed and bad, awful relationships, usually Pluto oriented relationships, like where the guy's Pluto placement was, was really like right outside my son's placement as well, too. You know, so basically the relationship was all about how he wanted to mold me to his image of power and his image of control it was how he wanted to control and manipulate me. So uh, when it comes down to twin flame relationships, I kind of have a little bit of a cynical vein myself. Sometimes I feel like, wow, this sounds really idealized and it sounds a little too good to be true. And I do warn of this. Um, just be aware that, again, it's still a theoretical concept, particularly amongst psychics, you know, this twin flame theory. And it is very theoretical. Um, it's not something, it's not a relationship that happens very often. Uh, Jewel actually surmises that it might be 1% of the population who actually meets their twin flame. You know, a lot of psychics say like between 1% to 3% usually meet them. So I feel like there is an idealized concept with this one. Um, and being idealized, as we've mentioned last week, that is the stuff of Neptune. So I feel like this is a very Neptunian concept. The, the twin flame relationship is a very Neptune concept. I also feel like um, in the relationship, there is a heavy Neptune placement in the relationship because there is a little bit of this, well, you know, we're, we're two halves of the same soul. That's very ideal. That's a very idealized concept. That's like meeting somebody and saying, oh, my God, you're exactly like Mr. Darcy or, oh, my God, you're like Sir Lancelot or, oh, my God, you're just like Jessica Rabbit mixed in with someone else who's really demure. You're my you're my fantasy come to life. I mean, it's it's a tall order to live up to. I mean, that the whole concept of you're my you're my soul's other half. That's a very tall order to live up to. And I feel like it's almost an inhuman order to live up to when it comes down to this concept. So I feel like there is an ideal, idealizing aspect to it when it comes down to, you know, when it comes down to it. And I would say very heavy Neptune. Um, and I would really warn but that when it comes down to twin flame relationships, um, really make sure to ground the twin flame relationships into reality. And what I mean by that is if you do find your, your twin flame, that's awesome. But, or you feel like you've met your twin flame, 
that's really awesome as well too. But um, really try to ground it down. You try to ground it down to reality where, you know, this person might seem like twin flame material, but maybe try to see their vices or try to see maybe the rea- the realities of this person and see if the concept of twin flame really is a valid concept is what I would recommend in this particular relationship. Um, as I've said, stargazers, again, I'm kind of leery about twin flames. Um, now, due to the theoretical nature of it, there's. I'd like to take the sample chart portion and I'd like to divide it into two different phases here. I'd like to see like how many um, aspects that I had come up to um, earlier, if they kind of exist in the two charts examples. Um, I'm not going to lie. The second charts example just came up to me last night uh, with David Bowie and my personal interactions with, or I don't want to say interactions, but my personal associations with David Bowie, which I will get into um, as we dive into his chart. But the other one is of a, a relationship that I'd known with a guy. Now, again, I think that these guys could be considered twin flame, but again, it's still conjecture. I don't really know. You know, could also be soul family material as well, too, which does actually exist. And I have come into people who are of my soul family. Um, soul families to me, again, are very heavily North Node. I feel like um, soul families tend to pop up when you're in a kind of an indecisive moment in your life and you're kind of like in a chaotic moment in your life. But instead of bringing more chaos as with a twin flame relationship, soul families try to help you. They're kind of like the sages that try to help you through, that try to inspire you to pull yourself through to transition into your next phase. Or they um, literally have theories um, to help you through as well and life circumstances to help you through. By the way, Stargazers, I am so sorry. I got a little gassy there. Um, if you've heard that little bit of sound bite there or you heard that little bit of feedback there, so sorry. Um, hopefully that will die down as we pause for the cause and we'll get into these charts. And then right after the charts, I'd like to get into how I really think about soul flames or, or twin flames. I, I sometimes mistake it with soul flames, but um, yeah, the concept is soul flames, but you know, twin flames, um, you know, if it might be a different relationship that's at work or if, you know, we do have an example in our sample charts that actually epitomize this as well too. So we will pause for the cause and we will come right back. Right, and we're back. So, um, Stargazers, this is this first uh, relationship was um, it was with me. I actually had a relationship with a guy back in middle school and also back in high school. Um, you know, again, it just it seemed like it might have been twin flame material. And again, I say seems like 
Um, we met very conjugally. Um, we kind of met really as friends. It seemed like this guy was very attracted to me. Um, at first I met him in sixth grade. He was in eighth grade. Um, he got really attracted to another friend of mine. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, he expected me to matchmake her. I, he didn't need to have that. He didn't need me in the picture. He could easily do that himself. He was quite um, a ladies' man, so to speak, even at a very young age. But you know, our friendship existed um, even way past when he graduated from senior year in high school. Um, I think he came back to visit. He saw me and literally said he got out of his car just for me. Now, I don't know how much of that is BS or how much of that was BS or how much of that was genuine. But um, he just stated because I was really a great, wholesome, wonderful person, um, he got out of his car for me. And, you know, like my mom said, well, he did get out of his car for you. So, but um, I'm going to take a look at the, our charts and see if indeed this could have been a twin flame relationship. Um, you know, due to the nature of it as well, too, it could have been a soul family relationship as well, too, or just a, a different relationship on the whole. Um, so I'll dive into that as well. But um, diving right in, the first thing that I did see was that um, his son is conjunct both his Venus as well as his Mars placements, which makes him very sexy and very much a catnip for the ladies. So definitely that was the, the ladies' man touching him. But I noticed that that's actually that actually occurred outside my eighth house. Now, while Jewel had mentioned that normally it's kind of Pluto outside the eighth house, that could possibly um, produce the twin flame concept. Um, she actually even goes so far as to theorize that actually twin flame relationship is more of a Pluto relationship. Um, I do have to say that, again, Mars outside the eighth house can be quite intense. So can the sun and Venus. Um, in fact, this can be a very supportive relationship when it comes down to transformation. Now, um, when it came to this particular person, you know, it was interesting that I met him at a time in my life that was deeply inwardly transformative in the regard that I went from the norms of fifth grade and went into beginning year of junior high, went to sixth, sixth grade. And sixth grade was not easy to acclimate to. I think I remembered I had my backpack burst a couple of times in the middle of classrooms or in the middle of the stairwell. I ended up losing a lot of, like, I think I lost my sheet music for my trombone a couple of times. Um, I was at the Denver School of the Arts at that time, um, mainly because my back, all the backpacks that I had were just not as sturdy enough to carry the stuff that I had to carry for the advanced curriculum that I actually had both academically as well as um, for my major at the Denver School of the Arts, as well as for the minor that I had at the Denver School of the Arts, which both at that time were in music. But, um, you know, it was just very, I mean, I needed 
like something really like hardcore sturdy. It was, it was pretty obvious, but I remember with sixth grade as well, I was made fun of a lot because I was tall. I was lanky. I was awkward. I had a lot of pimples all over my face. I'd stage four cystic acne actually. And I didn't really know that I had stage four cystic acne. Um, it was hard to tell at that time because I was also beginning puberty. Um, so, I mean, it was just like the, the worst awkward stages of puberty possible. I mean, I could see why I was a wallflower. It was, it was just not an easy transition, you know, not to mention, you know, again, the curriculum, um, the different standards, it was, it was just, um, another ball game. It was definitely, it, it kind of like what we mentioned in the Wizard of Oz. Well, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. And that was definitely the case in, in sixth grade. But I'd met Mitchell in this really chaotic period in my life. And what I do remember of him was that he had always had a way of managing to just to salve, to put the salve on my wounds, on my most innermost wounds. And I mean, I was made fun of a lot. Um, I had to counter people a lot because I was made fun of a lot. I had to find my own inner strength a lot of the time. And in sixth grade, it was really hard. Um, I also, this was in the nineties. It was very hard. I mean, it was like, it was hard to even have a gut as I did back then whenever I ate anything because we were in the emaciated, it's fashionable, fashionable to be anorexic or emaciated. You know, it's fashionable to look like a vampire, even in the daylight, you know, with the really pale face or really pale skin, loads of eye makeup, heavy red lips. That was just the, the whole thing. You know, it's like if you weren't perfect in the nineties, you basically were garbage. Um, but Mitchell just had a way, you know, I, I went through a lot of chaos and he just had a way of coming up to me and just like producing a salve for that chaos. And that really is very indicative with that Venus conjunct sun conjunct Mars function. Um, even though Mars can be very, you know, sporadic and very impulsive. I mean, I think the Mars and Venus connection, he found a way to, really just be like a really good, wholesome person. And he was a really soulful person as well, too. And I, I felt like we did connect on that deep level in that regard. I mean, I felt like I connected to him on that deep level in the regard that he produced a salve to a lot of the stuff that went on at that time. You know, uh, when it comes down to his eighth house... Nothing is occurring outside of there. Um, I did not have any planets outside of his eighth house. However, when it comes to our first houses, we do have some things going on outside our first houses. So for him, my Mars placement, which is in my 12th house, was actually outside his, his first house. And I would say that was where I would like to think I encouraged him to be his best self possible. Um, in his day to day, you know, whatever he felt like he wanted to do. I actually remembered in sixth grade, Mitchell was quite a phenom, um, in the Denver School of the Arts in instrumental music in the regard that he not only played the clarinet, but when he was dating someone else, he also learned, I mean, how he did this, I don't know, but he learned the violin from the clarinet. And then on top of that, he wrote a whole score for both the orchestra as well. I think there was like a special, 
like famous bassist that came to play with the with the school. Um, he composed a piece um, that he was able to perform in front of an audience that was for both um, an orchestra as well, like for a full orchestra, actually. So like I said, he was he was brilliant. And I just remember I was I was definitely in awe of him. And I wanted to think that with Mars being placed outside his first house, that I kind of helped to push him to be his better self, to be his best self and really help to encourage him. Now, instead of like sitting back and saying to him, well, you could do better. Well, you could do better. You could, well, you could do better as is indicative of a twin flame relationship. Um, I really just felt like I was just more just positively encouraging him, you know, just like really just being like a cheerleader for him um, in turn where I just felt like he, it kind of validated. I'd like to think that kind of validated him to do, to, achieve these wonders, which was just amazing to me. Um, so outside his first house, yes, outside my first house, he does have his North node very close to my first house, my first house, eh, excuse me on that one. His North node in Leo in his second house is actually, um, it's not conjunct, but it is very close to my son's position. So in a way, um, it did feel like we were fated to be together. We were fated to have this friendship in a way. Um, like I said, I, I found, I felt like it happened like in a chaotic instance in my life. You know, he was there to kind of cut there like a guardian angel in a way to kind of help me through sixth grade. And also he was just there throughout all of middle and high school. Um, where I had a lot of chaos. I wasn't the popular kid, but I had a lot of chaos and he was just, he was like a guardian angel or like a spirit guide for me, just kind of a living spirit guide, really, to just kind of encourage me on and encourage me to do my best. And that he actually did. Um, I mean, I, I also found my voice in creative writing. Um, I did find my voice in music. And I did also find my voice in theater as well, too. And I felt like I could have been like a an actor slash writer. Um, back in the day as well too but he really helped to encourage that and it did feel like we were fated to be together now um, I do have to say that while speaking of north nodes my north node was actually very close to his moon placement so again his inner nature would kind of help me to guide me to my higher purpose, you know, and I would say his inner nature being more of his compassionate nature, you know, his moon being in cancer, his compassionate nurturing nature helped to push me towards being better. And he, he did actually, he encouraged me with the trombone. He actually said I was actually better than the first chair trombonist in class, which I thought was very nice of him. Um, but you know, he would encourage me Almost like a fa like again, like a guardian angel, spirit guide, or even like a, a a family member to kind of just you know keep going. It's like you're doing great, keep going, keep you know push forward. Um, in a way, I almost want to think that I maybe had impacted him internally as well too. I don't know if I had. I can't put words in his mouth, but you know, with that North Node placement, maybe helping him to find his inner purpose or helping him to find inner clarity inside himself as well. Now, um, the Chiron placements uh, were also very close. They're actually semi-squared. 
His current placement was in, uh, actually still is in Taurus. Mine is actually in Gemini. And um, we didn't really get into deeper inner wounds um, in our relationship. I mean, they were there. And like I said, he kind of provided like the salve or he just provided the guidance necessary for me to help me through that. But really, it wasn't based, it's not like we got into, like I didn't get into the fact that I felt like my mom replaced me with the notion of Claire Danes because I wasn't perfect enough in childhood, which is my Chiron wound that I carry with me being Chiron in the 10th house and also with the learning disability Chiron in, you know, um, Gemini. So, I mean, we didn't really get into that. That's really heavy stuff. Um, we didn't get into his stuff either. We just kind of kept it light, but we were still, I kind of felt like he encouraged me and I really hope that I encouraged him as much as he encouraged me in that day. The fourth thing that I did see, Stargazers, is that we did have actually two oppositions. His son, Venus, and Mars uh, conjunction in Pisces is actually opposite my Mercury placement in Virgo, which I thought was interesting. So again, very similar in our tastes. While he was kind of mystical and also very sensitive, I could be very sensitive, yet I think also, even though I'm a little reserved and I like to be organized and methodical in my thinking, um, he was very sensitive to that. And so it seems like we had an understanding with each other on that vein. The other um, was his Mercury placement is actually up opposite of my sun and ascendant placement in Leo. And uh, with that, I mean, again, he was very, he loved a lot of people in his life. He loved his independence. He loved his own freedom, whereas I loved company. Um, so we were very different in that regard. But we had, you know, I respected him. And I, before I called him a player or anything or Casanova, um, I did respect him. I, I did respect him in the regard that at least he was really nice and respectful to ladies. Um, that he wasn't just dismissive of women as a lot of guys were at that time. So I respected him for that. And I also just respected him in the regard that he helped me to come to my own sense of my independence, you know, really how to live independently outside of the relationship, the friendship that we really had as well as exist in the friendship that we had as well too. And there are just times where it, with these oppositions at play where he kind of, I was very introverted um, at that time. I was always very introverted. He had a way of just breaking through the introversion and a way of breaking through my shell to bring my best parts of my inner self out I, I don't know what I contributed to him. I, I really hope that I grounded him, maybe. Um, but, you know, it, we had that dynamic as well, too, which is an opposition dynamic as well. Now, Stargazers, it does seem like we have all the indicators here of a twin flame relationship. Well, the only thing is with Mitchell, my relationship with Mitchell was that um, it was not really that painful. 
And it really wasn't a situation where I felt like I turned myself inside out and had borne my soul. And, you know, when I went away from him, it didn't seem like I went to a higher purpose. You know, I learned a lot as to how to relate from him. And I was encouraged, like I, I, I kind of said a couple of times, he was like my spirit guide or my guardian angel, but except on this earth, um, kind of guiding me forward. In a way, I kind of feel like um, this is a soul family sort of relationship. You know, he came into it when I was in a very helter-skelter, very chaotic um, time in my life. And he was kind of like a sage that helped me, helped to guide me through and helped me to be my own better half in the end of it, which I think that can really, I think that's a good relationship in and of itself right there. So I really don't think that this was a twin flame relationship per se. Again, like I said, there is such a thing as a soul family where, again, there is that heavy north node. Um, again, you can have some of the same factors at play, but um, there were there's a lot of like easy relationships in this chart. There's not a lot of heavy Pluto relationships. I think our Plutos actually support each other in the regard that they're in the same position in the chart. And Neptune is also in the same position. So they're kind of like, we kind of um, understand each other with our fantasies and we kind of understand each other with our power mongering ways. In the regard that we understand each other, we kind of help to advise each other, really. So again, I feel like this was more of a, a soul family relationship with the nature that it was. The second chart that I really wanted to dive into just really briefly, I do actually think that this one, Stargazers, was a twin flame relationship. Now, before I get into it, um, Leslie Simpson had said that when it comes to twin flames, you can either meet your twin flame or they can exist parallel to you, like in a parallel universe, except you're still on the earthly plane. That's like the best I can describe it. But uh, that felt like I just I came to this realization last night when, interestingly enough, David, there's a David Bowie concert on uh, Channel 6, like um, public television that was from the 80s. And I just remember telling my mom, it's like, you know, David Bowie, I felt like was more than just a hero to me. Um, I felt like our lives were very parallel to each other. And before I sound kind of creepy-ish, um, I'm just going to explain, like when I first discovered David Bowie, I had actually was re I had rewatched Labyrinth. My dad had pulled up a VHS of the movie that he had taped, um, like back, uh, you know, when I was a very young child. And when I was rewatching it, um, because I didn't remember watching it when I was a very young kid, I remembered when I saw David Bowie, I mean, he was very attractive on the eyes and I was very attracted to him. But one thing that I did learn about him, or as I learned more about him, I noted that he was not only very exceptional as an actor, especially in Labyrinth, but also that um, really as a musician, he really had a lot. I mean, he was just a genius music, musically wise. And really he came to... He had a lot of heightened times during the 90s, um, and I kind of felt like that was kind of coincidental in the regard that I was also accepted into the Denver School of the Arts 
in that same year, like in the time that I was watching Labyrinth, I was accepted to the Denver School of the Arts for instrumental music for the trombone. So um, I almost felt like I wanted to keep tabs on David Bowie and wanted to kind of study him a little further because I felt like all the advances that he made in his life could have been the, all the advances that I could have made in my life. Now, again, you guys can take it or leave it as you will, but that's really how I felt with David Bowie. And you can understand how devastated I was when he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, it kind of felt like it was a beloved friend who passed on, which is also common when there's a twin flame relationship. If one should pass on, um, the other feels like devastated um, by that passing. But um, with twi- with David Bowie, I kind of felt like it was interesting. Um, while there is, you know, his in his in his seventh house, which is that of Leo, he had a similar stellium. As I do, actually, at the same stellium as I do in my third house in Libra. But his moon, Pluto, and Saturn placements were actually outside my sun's placements in Leo, or my sun placement in Leo. So, in some ways, I could see where this could have been a twin, like a parallel twin flame relationship, especially with that heavy Pluto. Um, situation going on there. The Pluto placement being near or even outside my my son's position. Um, also the moon being there too, that means we'd have, if we had met, we'd have a very deep emotional understanding. I kind of felt like even on this parallel plane, we had, I felt like I, I had a very deep understanding of him. And then of course, Saturn, um, I think really, it would have solidified and grounded the relationship a little bit as well, too. It was also interesting that his ascendant is opposition to my son as well as my ascendant. His ascendant was in Aquarius. My ascendant was in Leo as well as my son. Or actually, my ascendant is in Leo as well as my son's placement is also in Leo. So we have that in common. He has Uranus, um, which is a direct opposition to my um, generational planets in Sagittarius. So again, we're starting to get into that territory of we have at least like two oppositions between each other. So again, instant attraction, possible instant repulsion. Also, um, his Neptune position was outside of my uh, moon Pluto and Saturn conjunction in my third house. So again, there was a heavy, not only Pluto relationship, but also a heavy Neptune relationship. This whole meant to be, but also a very nebulous, fantasized relationship. And boy, I could say it was a little bit, you know, I I really looked up to him and let's just say there was a little bit of fantasy Behind, I, I always had a fantasy. I'd like play the trombone with him, or I'd sing with him, or I would be in some way working with him in his in, in the day back in the day. But that that was left to dream and to conjecture, not really left to actuality on my part, unfortunately. But all the way around, um, I mean, I would say this was actually more of a twin flame 
relationship that I almost had forgotten until like yesterday. Um, in the regard that we had that heavy Pluto relationship, we could turn, like I felt really turned inside out. I just felt it was kind of interesting that, you know, while he was making great strides in his life, so was I. And that's why I kind of looked to his life a little bit. It's like, you know, if he's making great strides, so can I. And even though we didn't actually meet and we didn't actually, you know, come together and meet and actually co collaborate and do something together, maybe it was for the best. Um, maybe I was meant to just learn from him and to aspire to his greatness in my own way, in my own form. To meet him would have probably defeated the purpose in our relationship or in this relationship. Um, North node wise. Yeah, we definitely had North node conjunct. Um, and then I'm just going to try to see again with Chiron. Sorry, this is off the cuff. Uh, with Chiron, I am not seeing his Chiron po position, which is kind of interesting. I'm kind of wondering if that was even included, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe even a Chiron position was in, it was kind of close to mine. Um, because I did feel like you know, when I, I actually did aspire to David Bowie, I kind of felt like um, all of my inner wounds were not only exposed, but I also felt like I could overcome them. I felt like I could move beyond being the child who's synonymous with a learning disability. And I could go, you know, go to great lengths. I could go to great lengths as a musician. And also from him, I got the idea of I could go to great lengths of, as an actor, too. I could go to great lengths in many different art, artistic fields because he basically did himself. And um, with that said, I mean, it, it was just a very profound relationship in that regard, even though we never met each other. And I think, again, it was meant to be, you know, we weren't meant to meet each other, really. It's, it's just seems like, um, you know, it's just meant to be on this parallel plane and that, and that's fine. I feel like, um, I feel like even still in the afterlife, he's probably still aspiring to a lot of greatness that I could not aspire to, honestly. Um, that's, that, that is his unique, right? And I just feel for me, um, I still, I'm still accomplishing what I'm really setting out to accomplish as much as I possibly can. And I feel like that's really the whole point of the twin flame relationship. So stargazers, did I actually meet my twin flame with either Mitchell or with David Bowie or experience them? You know, I do have to say again with the heavy Neptune influence of twin flames and the whole concept, I still have to say, I really don't know. Um, you know, again, with even with David Bowie, that could have either been a really close kinship um, sort of relationship for me, or it also just, again, could have been another form of a soul family relationship as well, because I didn't really feel like I was pulled inside out. And I really don't feel like my vices were exposed. I mean, even though I said I um, really kind of felt like my Chiron placements were, my Chiron aspects were really exposed a little bit and I kind of transcended that. I didn't really feel like that was the whole basis of why I was attracted to David Bowie. Um, I really felt like it was a way to aspire to be better 
without him like baiting me to aspire to be better, if that makes sense. So, you know, I really don't know. Um, in all honesty, I think with Twin Flames, it, it's good to kind of keep an open mind that, you know, again, Twin Flames could be a very Neptune concept. It can be a very fantastical concept at that, and that it actually could be a fantastical concept and construct that society comes up to in order to explain other relationships that exist that we're not really familiar with. And instead of trying to become familiar with it, we tend to fantasize it in and package it in a situation such as soul flame or twin flames or soulmates or, you know, any of the other constructs that there are. Like I said, the only exception where I don't feel like um, a sort of soul relationship is not a Neptune concept is that of soul families, because I've actually, I actually have come into contact with people who are like a soul family or they're like families beyond my immediate family as well too. Um, so again, um, that does exist, but as I've said with any fantastical concept, again, relook at it. Um, it could be another, another relationship, you know, it could be a heavily oppositional relationship. They exist and they're equally just as profound as the twin flame relationship is supposed to be. There could also be such a thing as a North Node relationship or a, um, a Chiron relationship or, um, a heavy eighth house relationship or heavy first house relationship. Again, I feel like there's a lot of these. I feel like these relate that the, um, aspects that I came up to for, um, twin flame could really exist on their own as well, too. So, um, I really just say, Keep an open mind and, you know, just kind of look a little deeper. Um, if you feel like you've met your twin flame, great. That's awesome. But again, look a little deeper and just make sure that it's not maybe another relationship that's in disguise. So, Stargazers, I really hope that this was a very informative episode for you. I know it was really a lot of fun for me and really informative for me um, to actually prepare this for you today. As always, do not be afraid to look up at the stars. Um, as of tonight, Sunday, the 14th of August, uh, the, the moon is at its last. It, it, this is the last night as to where it's full before it starts to wane, which is just, it's it's gorgeous, actually. I could tell it's a, it was a full supermoon, just very, very bright, very luminous. But above all, do not be afraid to just look up at the stars. Um, that's where we see our origins of the 12 zodiacal signs coming at play. Um, they're actually the constellations in the sky. And, you know, it's also just a great way to take a great pause. I also just want to say, Stargazers, um, since I just celebrated my birthday yesterday, the 13th of August, that I really just want to take this time to say thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your lives and um, really to be a part just in general, just be really a part with, you know, just to be really with you um, in these moments and really to share these astrological moments with me. I also just am very, from the bottom of my heart and from the bottom of my soul, I just say that this is an honor to bring a con this, the content that I bring to my podcast to you every week. 
I do hope to, con- I actually do strive to continue to still bring you content. I still tr- strive to continue with this podcast. Um, but I just really wanted to take this profound moment to say my wonderful gratitude and my wonderful thanks to you. And above all stargazers between now and next week, I really hope to find you well. And until then, take care. I will see you then. If you have any questions or comments for Sandra Misek, you can contact her at either Misek, M-I-S-E-K dot Sandra at gmail.com. At her Instagram page at Sandra dot Again, that's M-I-S-E-K. You can also check her out on her Patreon page where you can become a member for as little as $5 a month. And with becoming a member, you can also get a free reading of your Sinistry chart. Again, that is at patreon.com forward slash 7th house astrology.